RadioInfluence.com. Author, political commentator Kira Davis breaks down why it's time to draw an immovable line and stand up for conservatism on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. If you don't already have your thinking caps on, I'm confident it won't be long before you do. Unpacking critical cultural issues, revealing the Marxist long game, exposing the safe space scam leftists are running on our children and reminiscing about her conversion from Democrat to conservative, Kira takes us on quite an informative ride. So let's get into it. Not too way back when, she was the executive director of a technology center in Gary, Indiana, an after-school program which offered tutoring and mentorship programs to inner-city students. Now she's a journalist, the deputy managing editor at Red State. You've seen her all over Fox News and Newsmax being interviewed by the likes of Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Dan Bongino, Steve Hilton, Lawrence Jones, John Bachman, the list goes on and on and on. She delivers enlightening, thought-provoking content on her Davis Nation website, and she hosts the Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis podcast. The author of the book, Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. I welcome to the broadcast, Kira Davis. Kira, how are you? Hi, Gary. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I This is going to be fun. I've been looking forward to this. And before we start, I've got to ask you this burning question. Mm-hmm. You are a wife and the mother of two children. Yes. Love it. You live on the left coast in California. Well, <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> Your children have attended public school in Gulag Gavin State for most of their lives. Please tell me that you've sat in the back of some of those classrooms ready to pounce on an errant teacher at a moment's notice. Please put my mind at ease about sending your kids to the public Marxist high schools. I did better than that. I actually ran for school board. I know we're going to get into that. Past yeah. summer. Um, I, yeah, of course I'm involved. I would love to have the ability to send my kids to private school, but here in California, private schools cost more than colleges. So, uh, that is not an option. Um, and because we don't have school choice here, I'm trapped in the public schools like a lot of other, uh, parents are. And so, yeah, I have to, I have had to be vigilant. I have to make up. I have to fill those gaps. I have to make up some of these things on the other end, which means my children and I have always had discussions about what's going on in school. We talk about what I think and what my husband thinks is important. We we do that around the dinner table. We do that when we're when we spend time together and I pray a lot. I also have the advantage of living in a fairly 
a conservative school district. So while the state is not conservative and the things they send to our schools are not conservative, a lot of our teachers are. So a lot of our teachers will back away from some of the content that the state is trying to force down our throats as much as they can. So I've had that too. I, I've been able to, to the public school teachers have often been partners Um with parents in my particular district, that's changing quite a bit. It's changed quite a bit over the last two to three years. I'm sure you know why. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, the the thing is, is not every parent. I, I did homeschool uh, for a couple of years with my kids, but as you know, I have a career and um, it just wasn't something that worked well for us. So I'm like a lot of parents. You know, I just have to work with what I have. And I just want to reassure parents that if you you're not failing, if you're if you're stuck in the public school system, a they set it up so that you have to be stuck there. So it's not your fault. But B, you have other things you can do, you know, stay engaged with your kids, um, learn what they're learning, know their teachers and know the curriculum and, yeah, have discussions with them. And uh, and I, I do think that you can navigate public schools in a way that can be healthy. I hear you. Now, since I went there, let's keep it right here. How do you explain conservative principles to your children? And being that they're in school, what do you say to them in regard to, say, the uh, horrific number of mass shootings in high schools and colleges? Like, how do you give them their values? And I'm going to give you a, an example of what I mean, why I think this is a very difficult thing to do. I used to teach Sunday school uh, age seven through 12, and I'd have the kids and we'd be teaching them about God and we'd be teaching them that God created the heaven and an earth. And then they go to school and their parents tell them to get good grades and listen to the teacher. And then they come back to my class on Sunday and go, Mr. Benford, uh, you're telling us that God created the heaven and earth, but in the school where my parents are telling me I'm supposed to get a good grade, they're telling me that there's no such thing as God and that it's evolution. What am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Well, we don't preach our conservative values. We live our conservative values. So that's one thing. Uh, now my kids are, my, I have a son in college now. My daughter is a sophomore in high school. So my kids are older now, but when they were younger and we were, facing those that disconnect between you know say evolution what school is teaching and what we believe is as Christians um, we did have discussions my kids asked questions I've always raised my kids to be curious people and so they would come home and talk to me about what they would learn in school and then they would ask questions and then I would say yeah you know that's a theory the, these are theories the theory of evolution the Big Bang theory, Here's what the scientific process is. Here is what the word theory means. And there are all kinds of ways to think about this. This is one theory that your school teaches you, but that doesn't mean that it's the theory. I've always thought that the best way to combat what sort of the indoctrination that happens in public schools is to is to raise curious children, to raise children who to ask, ask questions, questions yes. and who won't just accept you know, the the word of whatever authority is standing in the room. And I raise them to be respectful, but also to be skeptical. Um, and so that served us well. Um, you know, How do you we deal still with the shootings? Because I'm, I'm a lot older than you, but when, when I didn't have to deal with shooting. Well, actually, I went to college right after Kent State. But that was 
rare that that happened. Like they might may try and burn Cal Berkeley down, but that's the whole nother story. But what, you know, how do you deal with, I'm sure your kids are old enough to be aware of it. It just happened in Michigan state recently. It's just a horrible tragedy. I asked my son once when he was in high school after a, a mass shooting somewhere. And it's sad that I can't, even, there's been so many, I can't even think about which one it was, but, um, I asked him, "Are do you get scared when you hear stories like this? Do you feel scared at school?" And he said, "No." Um, he said, "No, I don't. I think that these are more rare than it seems." Now he was 15 at the time, but this is how I raise my kids: to look up information, to know information. So. Whenever we feel worried about something, we look into it. We look at statistics. We look at facts and figures. And so he had looked up facts and figures about school shootings on his own. And he knew that even still, relatively speaking, it's very rare to die um, at school from from gun violence. The other thing is that we are a family that is educated in the Second Amendment and our rights, and we are gun owners. And my kids go to the gun range and they know how to operate weapons. And um, my son and my husband with the church, with our church every year, there's a men's retreat. It's it's called G4. It's God, guys, guns, and grub. And there they go, go out to the desert. They learn how to use weapons. They shoot, you know, they do skeet shooting and they do recreational shooting. Um, all, of course, safely managed by an expert that they take with them. So my son's always been raised to respect guns, and he understands that they're tools, and it's the people using the tools that are the problem. I think, Gary, the biggest fear my kids have, more so than just the idea of guns, is mentally unstable students around them. Mm-hmm. See, and the problem, and a lot of mentally unstable students now they want to say it's mental illness, but it's leftism, cultural Marxism, Marxism. That's a mental illness. And that can drive you. Like if you listen to the Biden administration or the left, there's a, a white man waiting to shoot your son around the corner as soon as he comes out of your daughter, as soon as they come out of school every day. You know, if you listen to this, they think that everybody wants to shoot and kill, kill a black person or something. But I'm so glad and I'm glad the listeners are able to hear that you're doing what you're supposed to do. Responsible parents lead to responsible kids. And if the kids are not responsible, all you can do is educate them and then the rest is up to them. So let's move on to the book. And here's a quote about Kira's book. There is no bigger issue right now than winning the culture war. And there is no better person to show us how to fight than my friend Kira Davis. (laughs) Drawing lines is a must read for any American who is sick of the chaos and insanity that seems to be infecting every part of our society, but isn't sure what to do about it. If we want sanity and decency to prevail, we can't sit on the sideline. Everyone must participate. And Kira not only shows you how, but how to have fun doing it. That was written in your book by Steve Hilton, who everybody knows is the host of The Next Revolution on Fox News. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So why did you write it and how can people get involved in it? 
Yeah, well, I wrote it because, I mean, really, it, this is a great segue from talking about schools and kids because I, over the last few years, have been watching what's been going on in our schools with with my kids specifically. The COVID lockdowns were really hard for our family. Uh, my son was a 2020 graduate of high school, and so he didn't really get to graduate that year. He just sort of had it dissipate. And while we were arguing about going back, whether or not to go back to school, we were also in the midst of things like um, putting tampons in the boys' bathrooms for pretend, mm. you know, for for girls pretending to be boys or whatever. I don't know. Uh, we were, we were, CRT was infiltrating every aspect of the classroom. And um, it was just, I woke up one morning and I thought, you know what? I'm a I'm the type of person who likes to be persuasive. It's what my podcast is dedicated to. I like to to uh, dig through concepts and ideas. I like critical thinking, and I like the idea of persuading the other side. Um, but the other side is not willing to come to the table right now. They're looking at unity as totally erasing one side of the conversation, and um, that's just not going to do. And I realized that as conservatives, we've been sitting back because we find, you know, generally speaking, we find discomfort distasteful. We do, we find um, confrontation distasteful. Most conservative Americans, they want to go to work, come home, feed their families and do it again the next day. They just want to mind their own business. And that is a great American value. But unfortunately, while we've been minding our own business, the weirdos have taken over every institute every influential institution in society. So one day I thought to myself, I actually am not okay with my daughter being referred to as a person with a uterus. You know, she is a young woman and, and we are now in an, like clown world. This is insane land. At some point we have to stand up. You as a conservative have to draw a line somewhere. You have to say, okay, I'm not acquiescing to this. I am not in the name of getting along, just going to pretend that what you're telling me makes sense when it doesn't make sense. So in some respect, I wrote the book because I want to challenge people to be the adults in the room and stand up and say, okay, here and no further. For me, it was CRT and the transgender stuff that really affects my kids. But for you, it could be some something else. So in the book, I lay out 10 of what I think are the most important cultural issues of the day. And I, I make arguments about those issues. I tell you, I give you your talking points. Here is why these are important issues. Here's why um, I take the stance that I do on these issues, but I don't end there. I also tell you, and here's what you can do right where you are. Here's a suggestion. Here's how you get around big tech. Here's how you can come combat censorship. Here's how you can make a difference in your schools. Here's how you can make a difference in the entertainment community. I, I have practical solutions for people at every level. So I'm not saying we all have to be on the same battlefront, but we all are in the same war. And it's time to accept that w this is not a time of peace. We really are at battle. You're right about that, Kira. And the one thing that really, really people need to understand that you said that very few people point out, we don't have to be all on the same battlefield. One of the problems with conservatives that they're seeing we're being attacked 
from so many different directions and they're thinking, I can't battle all this. This is an avalanche. You nailed it. Take on one issue. Find one issue that's dear to your heart. Educate yourself about it and just make that your your stance. That's where you draw the line in the sand. Somebody else will draw a line in the sand over something else. Somebody else will draw a line in the sand over somebody else. Like you said, transgender and CRT. Mine is Marxism and the Marxist, cultural Marxism, Antonio Gramsci, takeover of America, which draws you into the school system, which draws you into uh, the, the counterculture, political correctness, and all this stuff that they're doing right now. It, it, see, and somebody else will say, okay, mine is dealing with uh, what's going on with Hollyweird, or mine is dealing with the takeover of the evangelical church from social justice. Everybody can find their way. Mm-hmm. Another quote from your book, a no hole. I've been waiting for this. I've waited all this time just to ask you this question. <laughs> a no holes barred battle plan for conservatives who are done talking and want to start acting to fix our broken culture and country. That was written by Dan Bongino, host of the Dan Bongino Show podcast. You sat in for him, right, as a host? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a regular uh, guest right. host for Dan. And yep. everybody knows Dan, and Dan doesn't take much guff. So, <laughs> Kira, how no, no holes barred do you get? Well, uh, I have to say this. Dan is a lot more aggressive than I am. <laughs> yeah, he used to be yeah. he used to be an agent. He used to be able to carry a gun and yeah. you know, do all kind of stuff, right? But I think what he means when he says no holds barred is that barred is that I am a I am totally honest. I'm not I'm not pulling any punches in the name of keeping people comfortable. I'm I'm telling people, look, there are ways to look at this. There are ways to view what's going on in our culture that 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 are going to make, you know, the the call to action that I give is going to make you uncomfortable. But you still have to do it. You still have to admit that we we failed in this area or in that area. And we have to be able to look at the things we've done wrong. And when we have to be able to say, okay, we can fix this. We can do this. So I'm not writing this book to make people feel comfortable about where we are. We are not in a comfortable place. I'm writing this book as sort of like a needle, you know, like to poke at people. We are, if you feel like things are falling apart right now, it's because they are. And it's because we have so pulled back from the culture because we have found it so distasteful. Um, Our idea of fixing things has just been to retreat. Well, the other side has been taking that land that we're retreating from. They haven't just left no man's land. They've been like, okay, great. Conservatives are retreating. We're going to push further and further into their, into their area. And so now I'm saying we don't have any more yardage behind us to give. You either have to draw a line right now and stand there and say, I'm not being pushed any further. For me, it's like, I am not going with this transgender stuff. I am not going to call a boy, a girl. I am not going to bow down to this pronoun ridiculousness. I don't care if you want me to make someone else feel comfortable about their own mental illness. At some point, I have to, as a woman, I have to say, no, I'm not going to allow you to pretend that any guy can come along and then at the age of 40 say, you know what, I actually am a woman. And what makes me a woman is just that I've decided that I'm a woman. It's insane. It's ridiculous. And 
it's also harmful and we're seeing the harm as it manifests, as this ideology manifests itself in our schools, in our workplaces, in the cultures. So that's a place where I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not pretending anymore. Now that means I'm unpopular with some people. That means that I am called names sometimes that are very unfair. Um, that means that people can be cruel to me, but at some point you have to say enough is enough. So that that's what no holds barred is. It's just being really, really honest about where we are right now in the culture. I hear you. And since you went there, the most insane thing, and as a parent, please tell me how they're pulling this off. The most insane thing to me about the transgender aspect is that somehow they found a way to get kids to talk to teachers about their sex or starting a sex change type thing separate from telling their parents. I don't understand how that works. I used to, re I remember when I was in school, nothing happened without them sending a note home so their parents would know, okay, you this is available, that's available, such and such is available. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, I remember, I remember the one time my parents apologized to me when I was young was they, I grew up in Summit, New Jersey, but I grew up a long time ago. I was in high school, uh, elementary school in, in the fifties and Kira that my father wanted me involved in everything, my parents, and they found out there was a social dancing class that was being held after school on a Wednesday. And I think I got a spanking for not letting my parents know that there's a social dancing class. And they found out later because uh, I lived, I grew up in a community at that time that was uh, 80, 88% white. Mm -hmm. And they found out flyers were given out, but to none of the black kids. Oh. None of the black kids received a flyer. And oh, and you my, got a whooping for it? I, yeah, because they oh. thought I didn't bring the flyer home and they I could see the tears in their eyes because yeah. they realized because I would have I, I would have wanted to dance, but they realized I didn't know. So that's what scares me about the ability of teachers to tell mm -hmm. to tell kids, well, you can be this or you can be that and we'll help you. And, and but how do they pull this off? I'm, I'm not a parent. How do, they, how do they get this around? And why would kids? want to do that and not let their parents know. Okay, this is this has been now you are very involved in the in in the air, arena of cultural marxism. So you know that these that marxists are very they have they play the long game, mm -hmm. right? They yep. this is another thing that conservatives don't do well. We don't plan 10, 20, 30 years in the future. We want everything to be solved by this ballot box this election cycle, we don't invest in plans that could take 20, 30 years to come to fruition, but the Marxists do. And one of the things that they invested in was the teachers unions. This has been a slow creep for decades. It's, it's now manifesting itself as this, but it started as unions striking. And every time they strike, they, they strike for more autonomy right from the school board from and the school board is just really the parents it's supposed to be it's representative of the com community so they're always striking for more autonomy from the community and it started out as 
okay, we need sex education in school. Well, now if we're going to talk about these delicate concepts, then we need kids to, to feel like they can talk about issues they're having without, um, you know, retribution from parents or something. And then that cycles into, well, now we've got this huge, the, the gay rights movement was huge and they were very, very successful. And then sexual identity took over every kind of identity, took over, you know, your patriotic identity, your religious identity, your family identity, sexual identity is now the, uh, uh, really um, an idol. And, um, and so then it was like, okay, well, parents aren't going to understand that because most people in the world are heterosexual. And so we've got to create this little club to make kids feel safe. It's all about this idea of making kids feel safe, safe space. But if you dig under that, and I'm sure you have with all of your research on Marxism, you dig under that, all that really is, is the idea of separating children from the authority of their parents. Because every good Marxist knows that if you can separate a child from their parent and you can educate a child in whatever way you want, you've secured the future. This is something mm -hmm. that conservatives do not do. We do not do this well. We have, again, the public school system is another system that we have sort of handed over to the leftists. You know, I'm not one, I am for school choice, but I'm not one for everybody just abandoning the public school system. Right, because right. Because most mm -hmm. kids in America are still educated in public mm -hmm. schools. So what we need to do is take them back, right. take them back over. So, you know, that is how that happened. They get in and they dig in and then they build this wall between parents and kids and they frame it as, well, we're just trying to keep kids safe. Mm -hmm. And, and so it is, and it is, it is disgusting and it is a shame, but that's how that happened. And then the way that kids fall for this, Gary, I like the second part of that question, which is how do kids, why do kids go along with this? Well, here's Without the telling thing. their parents, right? Here's the thing. And I, I address this actually in the book, every kid wants to feel a, like they're a part of a community. Every kid wants to feel like, think about when you were a kid and the adults you looked up to besides your parents, like maybe there was a, a gentleman in the community that you really idolized. He did something that you thought was so cool, or he always had something cool to say to you, or maybe there was a teacher that really mm -hmm. enthralled you. We all have had that experience mm -hmm. with somebody. We all want somebody to look at us and say, Hey, you belong here. Everybody wants to belong. I say this, this is a problem with progressives. Everyone wants to belong and, and they find their belonging in, in things that aren't permanent. You know, we might find our belonging in faith, in, in patriotism and in our family. Um, but those concepts have been watered down over the years. So what do you do if you want to feel like you belong? This is why I don't think we should be so quick to reject the trials and tribulations of the modern child. They're different from when we were right. kids. We shouldn't be condescending about it because we're driving those kids into the arms of people who are going, hey, you're just the way you are. I accept you. They're looking for communities and these teachers and these ideologues and these Marxists are giving them community. They're offering safe space. They're offering a space where a child can come, feel like they belong, and feel like they're being heard. So, you know, that's hard to come to combat. We have to be able to offer that the same to our children.
Right, especially when kids could be confused and just don't know. Uh, you know, we on this show, we talk about this a lot. You, you can go way back. You can go back to Karl Marx, but the, the Antonio Gramsci uh, cultural Marxism, the Frankfurt School coming over from Germany into Columbia University, uh, taking over and and the, just the communist plan in general. Like we always talk about uh, 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 Cleon Scouts and W. Cleon Scouts' book, The Naked Communist. What do they want to do? Take over the schools, take over Hollywood, take over the print and radio media, uh, ch- change uh, pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus religion to social religion, easy divorce, get behind homosexuality, discredit the Bible. Uh, these were all the things that when he infiltrated the Communist Party, that he went before a subcommittee and said, this is what they're trying to do. That book was written, I think, in 1959. So this is why they're they're also successful. And thank you for putting that out, because you were the first person out of, I, I think I've had... Uh, uh, over 60 episodes of this podcast and your first person that put it out about the point of view from a child that's confused at a very young age and somebody not necessarily offering, you know, the solution, but just I'll listen to you and mm-hmm. draw you in and then hope you listen to me. Now, before we go any further Kira, my friends and the people that listen and that know me, the one thing they want to know from you and the one thing I will guarantee you they want to know from your book is how not to talk to people on the left, but how to successfully talk to people on the left and get them to even move one iota because these people seem to be so dug in that when you start to break down their belief system, they either run away, call you a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, or, 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 or an idiot, or moron, or they just yell and scream. It is so hard to try and get somebody to, and you tell them, hey, you know there are two sides. Why don't you just listen to it? They don't even want to, they don't hear it. How, are you having any success? Well, so funny you just said that. Why why don't you just listen? That's the name of my podcast is Just Listen I to know, Yourself. I know. And I started it because I wanted to have that reasonable conversation that both sides, hey, just listen to what you're saying. Let's dig into those talking points and draw them out to their logical conclusion. And I've had a I've had um some success with it. You know, uh, I'm a conservative and I certainly don't um, water that down in any way, but I welcome a conversation that embraces all arguments so that we can dig through the talking points and really get to the meat of an issue. However, that's my podcast. Now, if you want more advice on, you know, how to engage in a conversation. You you engage all the time. What what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm about to tell you this. I'm not finished yet. I suggest if you're wanting more advice or a way to do that, go look up my podcast and and start digging into those episodes. However, I wrote this book and it's called Drawing Lines because the day I woke up and said enough is enough is the day I realized that um, there we are not in a time of having a both sides conversation. Unfortunately, mm. that's my brand. That's what I have built my career on, the idea of welcoming people into the conversation 
but we are not there right now. I have no advice in this book for you of how you can persuade someone to hear what you're saying. The point is, is that the other side doesn't want to hear what you're saying. They want to totally erase you from the conversation. Look at what they're erasing right now. They're erasing America's history. We have the 1619 Project that's a total lie. You know, They're totally erasing America's history in the favor of that lie. They're erasing women. They're erasing... Um, you know, traditional, well, normal biological sexuality and gender, they're erasing it. So there's not, they, and they aren't interested in, in hearing your side. So I'm, if you've come for my child, if you've come for her body, her mind and her future, and you don't know my child and you don't have her best interest in mind, we don't have a conversation. There is no conversation to be had. So I'm afraid, and this is, I, I lay this out very well in the book. Another reason why Dan Bongino described the book as he did. It's unfortunate. I do want us to be in a place of persuasion. I prefer persuasion. I prefer an environment where we hear each other out and maybe we don't agree, but we don't label each other evil, but we are not there. We are not in a time of peace. We are in a time of war. We didn't ask for the war. We didn't seek out the war. The war has come to our doorsteps. So you can either stand there and try to get people to like you, or you can say, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to, I'm going to be I'm going to be all the things that the word calls me to be. I will be gentle. I will be kind. I will be loving. But loving sometimes is also standing firm in, in what, you you know, as you you indicate your parents for disciplinarians, you know, my, I, my husband and I are the same way with our kids. That's love. Mm. That is love too. So we are, we can be in a time of peace where we can have this both sides conversation. And I really want us to get back there. I do. But I am so sorry to tell you that we are not there right now. There is no way for you to stand up for your values, for what you know to be right and to be liked by the left at this moment. So you're going to have to, everyone's going to have to put on their big boy underwear and get serious and stop worrying about your neighbors not liking you. I'm sorry. There's no way to make people like you. The only thing you can do is stand up for your, for what you know is right. And then. Maybe we can knock out this progressive insanity and get back to a place where left and right don't agree, but at least agree that they're not evil. Well, you knock that out and you nail that to the wall. And the problem is what they are doing now is evil. It goes against God. It goes against everything that's in the Bible, but it also goes against our Constitution and everything that this country was built upon. They they want to they want a socialist country that will eventually become communist and and what they what they're doing to the unborn, what they're doing to our children. And that's part of what I think is wrong with the right. The right looks at them as I'm going to show you what they're doing to us. Also, another way, the right looks at them as being off or being wrong. They don't look at it as evil. The left looks at us as evil and see the difference is, Kira, right? If if something is off or wrong, you try and correct it. If something is considered evil, you can jail it or kill it. See, and you notice we're trying to correct them and debate and win in the arena of ideas and pat them on the head, say, well, you can do better. And they're telling us, no, our point of view is evil and we want to get rid of you. Right. So people that don't know you, that don't know you and hearing you for the first time, they're saying, oh, this woman, she sounds so wonderful. I, I, oh, I, I really like this. So 
For people that don't know you, tell them your background. You came here from Canada when you were 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you start out politically where you are now or was your background just like a lot of us? I was a Democrat until I got saved in 1997 and realized, whoa, this isn't where God wants me. Yeah, no, I am a Canadian by birth. I was what born part? To, what part? Uh, Prince Edward Island, mm-hmm. a little island about seven miles off the east coast of Canada. And um, I was raised by my mother, my, my white mother. I have a black father. He's American. I didn't meet him until I was uh, almost 12 years old. Uh, my parents were divorced before I was even born. Um but when I was 12, I, I got to meet him and I came to visit him in the United States. And I was like, whoa, this place is awesome. <laughs> like, I loved America. Like the first second I stepped off the plane, my dad lived in Washington, D.C. My first stop was Boston to see some family. And I remember I re- it was July. I, I still remember how the heat hit me. I remember the smells. I remember seeing so many. Chowder and lobster. <laughs> well, see, I grew up on an island, so chowder uh, and lobster are not <laughs> were not delicacies okay. for me. In fact, that's what the poor people ate when I was growing oh, up. Oh, and lobster is yeah. my favorite food. I, well, because you, you could just go down to the dock wharf and get yeah. it for really cheap, like right off the boat. So it was a, yeah, we used to have it a lot. I miss it now, now that, (laughs) but when I was a kid, I was, it wasn't that interesting to me, but, um, met some family in Boston, moved on to Washington, DC. My dad lived in DC proper. He lived in Northwest and then he lived in, uh, Northeast and then Southeast. So my introduction to America was two of the most historic places in the nation. And I fell in love with the country, but, um, like most black people was default sort of liberal being Canadian. We're socialists up there. So I was a socialist. My parents were atheists as well. So I didn't have any sort of religious background. I, I would have told you I was an atheist, even though maybe that young, I, I didn't know how, what that meant. Uh, but I got saved as a teenager and um, at 18 decided I didn't want anything to do with Canada anymore. I was having, it was, it was rough to be black on an island up there at that time. And so um, I just wanted to go where there were more diverse people and I felt safer. Um, So I came to the United States, went to college in Iowa, um, became a citizen, which was fairly easy through my father and, uh, but still was a liberal and was a Christian. I was a Christian, but I, I still would have told you I was a liberal. I was a Democrat voter. It wasn't until, um, I got married and, um, moved to Gary, Indiana, where my husband was from and his family lived. And his father was the first, his father is a pastor, was the first black man I ever met who proudly called himself a Republican and a conservative. And he used to challenge me on my political views and we would have the most interesting discussions. He never shamed me. He always challenged me to think Mm -hmm. about what my ideas were. And then we started this after school program in Gary through the church. And he allowed me to be the director of this program. And I fell in love with education at that time. And I realized I got to see all the policies that I had always supported about education. I got to see them up close. I got to see how they worked. And I realized they didn't work. And that was the beginning of my transformation, my shift into conservatism. And when I moved, we moved here to California in 2010. And when we moved here, 
uh, I would say that was when I was like, yeah, I'm pretty much a conservative <laughs> and um, got involved in the Obamacare discussion because I came from Canada and I knew what universal health care was and I didn't want anything to do with it. And it really pushed me into being an activist and um, I started writing and now here I am. That is some story, and it, I'm, I'm so glad to hear it because almost everybody I know that comes from a black background that is now Christian, truly Christian, or truly conservative, we're all Democrats at one point in time. Mm -hmm. and, and so we understand both sides of the coin, and it really gives us a testimony because some people will say, oh, well, you're just this or that or the other thing, and, and no, 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 I was over there with you. I was yeah. marching right there with you, my fist yep. up in the air. You know, yep. so I know. So, you know, so you can't you can't throw that on me. Kira, I've really enjoyed this. Before I ask you to tell people how they can reach you and contact you and all the great things you're doing. My final question is, once again, please tell the public, how can they get involved? Mm -hmm. And how can you show them, tell them how you can have fun doing it? Because if you can do that, President Trump may have a really, 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 really big office for you in the White House in 2024. <laughs> because see, um, this is painful. This hurts. <laughs> I lost all my friends, all my relatives. I don't have anybody. God has provided me, you know, through through my <laughs> being a follower of Jesus. I have new friends and they, but everybody from the past, they're gone. This is a painful thing when you go and try and tell them. You're voting wrong and they could tell you, you know, you're an Uncle Tom or you're this or you're a sellout or you're that mm -hmm. and I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't recommend people just get combative. You and I are in media, so that's our job really is to stand up and, and say these things and be bold. I don't recommend people just march right over to your liberal neighbor's house with the hate has no home here sign in their yard and start telling them about themselves. That's not what I'm recommending. What I'm recommending is, is positive action, not negative action. Not So what I'm saying is when someone pushes you to not be pushed back, to stand. I'm not I'm not asking you to go on offense, but I am asking you um, to at least stand where you are. That being said, every like I said earlier, every chapter ends with a call to action. It ends with suggestions about what you can do right where you are. I'm going to give you an example since we're both in media. I'm going to give people an example. Um, we've suffered through this big tech censorship over at my day job at redstate.com. It's been brutal two years. It's been brutal. Um, we have had to adjust and adapt and the stuff that's coming out with the Twitter files from Elon Musk is just shocking and saddening at the same time to mm -hmm. know that we've been swimming upstream this whole time. Um, and I know a lot of people feel like you'll look at your favorite broadcasters, even the people you see at Fox News, and you'll see that they have like um, VIP programs you can join, Substacks, or if you go over to mm -hmm. my community at Locals, it's a it's a community for pay, right? And a lot of people feel like, well, I used to get all this stuff for free. Now I'm having to like divide my money among these these people and I don't like it. It feels like I'm being taken advantage of, but that's not the case at all. See, the reason why big tech can censor people like Gary and mm -hmm. I is because we depend on ad dollars mm -hmm. to keep our businesses running. Ad dollars come through Google, Amazon, places like that, uh, Apple. So when they look at conservatives and they say, oh, we're going to choke your content, we're going to choke your reach, and we're going to um, we're going to pull the advertising from your programs if you don't adhere to this ideological um, 
constant that we've decided, then they control the conversation because we lose this. Um, this is a job. This is not a hobby. This is a job. So we lose our income if we stray from that. Well, you can help uh, do an end run around big tech by just funding those people directly with your money. So while it might feel like I'm being taken advantage of because I love this person and they have a sub stack that I, they want me to subscribe to. And I love this person, but they have a Patreon account. They're not trying to take advantage of you. They're trying to release the chokehold of big tech and their ad dollars. When we're not slaves to the ad machine, mm -hmm. we can give you honest and direct content. So even you just hitting subscribe on Gary's podcast, even you just um, doing one listen through through my podcast, even you leaving a rating and review, even you paying one or two dollars a month to get that newsletter from your favorite broadcaster, that is an act of rebellion against big tech. It's you taking a positive stand and saying, I'm not going to accept the way things have always been. If they're not going to give me the content I want, I'll go get it directly myself. And taking them out of the equation, that's an act of rebellion. That's one little thing to do where you are. I ran for office. Um, I ran to be on my school board. I did not win that race. I'm in a, I was in a heavy um, union-backed area. I did not win that race. But, that, but other parents across the nation did by the mm -hmm. thousands. But um, entertainment, there are, I'm also an entertainer, Gary. I, I actually have a production company and I, I work on making scripts and short films. Well, I know a lot of conservatives hate what they see in the media. Um, support, when, when you see a conservative artist out there doing a crowdfund for their project, support them, send them $5, $10, $20. Support them getting something entertaining out in the culture. Um, rather than having to depend on Hollywood to do all this stuff, because they're not our friends, obviously. I don't have to. I you that. hear you. I hear you. Now there is one huge difference between you and me, and I really thank you that you are out there doing what you're doing. I, for this, for me, is a God ordained hobby. It is not a job for me. It's a God ordained hobby, and He has blessed me with it more than in a three years, 175 high profile guests like yourself. So. For me, this is a wonderful thing. Kira, please, and, and for you at the job, just keep going. And this is why I put people on to, to get to help you guys get the truth and the word out there. Please tell people how they can reach you and anything that you would like to promote. And I'm not sure your mic is still on. Maybe I'll I had to mute okay. it because my dog is I heard it. Screaming right. at some leaf blowers outside. Oh, just kind okay. of sure that they don't attack them. Uh -huh. <laughs> so tell them how they can reach you and get in contact with, uh, you know, you and what you do. Well, thank you so much, Gary. I really appreciate you having me on and I really appreciate your support. So everyone, if you want to know more about what I do, you, you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm very active there at real Kira Davis, K-I-R-A. And you can also um, find my podcast, Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis, uh, which is available 
on most platforms. I have two other podcasts, Gary, that are like entertainment related as well, talking about getting into the culture. I have a podcast that I do called a very merry podcast. I love Hallmark Christmas movies. And so a friend and I just review Hallmark Christmas movies and we have so much fun. We talk about the cheesiness of it all and it's wholesome content. And then I just started another uh, podcast called How Inappropriate. A guest and I watch an older movie and we talk about all of the things that you could never do today in those movies. Our, my first episode just released this week and we did Blazing Saddles. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cleavon Little that. and Alex Karras punching the horse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <it's> like... <laughs> punching the old lady. That was. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that oh, really boy. Cool. Yeah. So, stuff like that. You can find, you can support me there. Um, and how did I get book, your book? My book is Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena Arena of Ideas. You can go get that at Amazon.com. Or if you don't want to um, patronize a big box store like that, go to directly to my publisher. We're a Christian publishing site. It is FaithfulText.com, FaithfulText.com. And you can order directly from there. And I appreciate um, all of your support. You know, we're all in this together, Gary, in some way or another. You've got that right. And Kira, I really appreciate you coming on. We left way too much meat on the bones. So I will be hitting you up again right. because I'm guarantee you people are going to want you back. And so do I. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being yourself. Thank you for being faithful. Don't let them grind you down. Keep up the good fight. And we'll be seeing you all over Fox News, Newsmax, and any place else that big tech will kind of let you on. Uh, thank so, you so much, Gary. So once thank again. You. Kira Davis, everybody, telling it like it is. I want to thank Kira Davis for her thought-provoking dialogue designed to awaken those who are sleeping and encourage people who already are in the battle to retain our freedom and liberty. It truly is time to draw a hard line in the sand and stand for conservatism while we still have time to save our nation. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll leave it a rating and a review and be sure to tell your friends about the show. For first time listeners, we ask that you check out the podcast archive located on the page. All previous episodes are there featuring guests, including Tom Holman, Kevin Sorbo, Ben Carson, Monica Crowley, Diamond and Silk, Donna Fiducia. Carol Swain, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Brigitte Gabriel, Brandon Tatum, Christina Bob, Star Parker, and Vince Everett Ellison. Well, that's a wrap for the time being, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.